welcome back. This is I actually don't even know what episode number this is. We're getting so deep in the sauce here. I don't even what what number are we on? Oh, eighteen, which is this is eighteen. Yes, I believe it is. Which is uh, God, it's one of the numbers I can't say. God damn it! Oh, that's okay. Yeah, no need, no need on this episode. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you just catch the next one. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're on episode eighteen. Um, we've got a really, really good guest today. Uh, we're both very excited to bring you, uh, who we'll introduce here in a moment. Uh, but first, I've got a qu- very quick question for you, Sita. The dreaded question time. <laughs> yeah, this one should be fun. It's a fun question. Okay. It's, it's, but I don't think you're going to know the answer. I never really know the answer, so let's go shoot. It, oh, oh, I know, I know. Uh, how ma- Okay, because we had an episode, a few, maybe episode 15, I think, was um, the Munchies episode, yeah. right? Yeah. So it got me thinking, how many, and do not Google this. I know if you Google it, okay? I'll know if you do. How many 7-Elevens are there in Thailand? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's got to be thousands, surely, because, like, like, the amount, you can walk down any street and you're going to find a 7-Eleven. I found 7-Elevens in awkward places in, like, Chiang Mai. There's one near Ban Phong that's, like, you walk off near the jungle and there's just a 7-Eleven. Uh, I'm gonna say like seven thousand. There's thirteen thousand. Jesus Christ. Okay. But half of uh, eight thousand of them are in Bangkok. Okay. Yeah. That. Yeah. What? That's too many. Yeah. No wonder yeah. you can like go to a Seven Eleven two shops down and then it's another bloody Seven Eleven. And the best 7-Elevens are in Bangkok. I think the biggest one, though, is in Pattaya. I think. There's a huge one down there. It's huge. Uh, but there's really good ones in Bangkok. I love I love the 7-Elevens down there. The ones in Chiang Mai suck. Mm. I can't, I, the ones outside of Chiang Mai and Bangkok, it must be abysmal. Like, absolutely abysmal. Because they are. Like, we, once you get used to a good 7-Eleven, you go to some a way out in the country somewhere, out the, up, you know, out in the out in the jungle they, they you might as well just not even go yeah. they're absolutely abysmal I'm just gonna say it you heard it here that's my hot take for today yeah source your favorite okay. 7-Eleven huh people need to source their favorite 7-Eleven we should have, we should have people send us their favorite 7-Elevens onto Instagram for content yeah so anyone listening your favorite 7-Eleven actually as well I kind of want to see your worst 7-Eleven show us that as well Oh, that's always good content. The worst, yeah, uh, yeah. Because we're thinking of ways to get. Because everything's about content on the internet, so we need better content. So we're thinking of ways. So maybe this will be a good for, uh, start. Is uh, best and worst Seven Elevens. Worst. Let's just go for worst. <laughs> I don't care about your favorite ones. Just worst ones. Uh, but I've got a question. Uh, no, what what else are we talking about, Sita? What else? Like, there's something you're going to remind me of. What the. F- was it well we had a brilliant uh listener and friend of mine from instagram no honey no money no honey sticks he sent you a few and uh, okay how were they okay so let's just talk, yeah we're gonna get to the guest here in just one minute but just really quick about this so for everyone listening um there's an outfit called no money no honey they're um where, where are they out of bangkok mainly i believe 
But uh, as okay. well as the south, like pate and stuff. All right, okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so um, highly recommend. Um, they have three different varieties, at least from what I saw. They had a um, indica, a hybrid, and a sativa variety honeys. They're just like the little honey sticks. Like, I don't know, in the U.S., you can get these, like, you know, you just get, like, honey sticks and flavored, you know. Um, and they're really good. They're really tasty. Um, we're not. This is not a paid-sponsored ad. It was just, you know, a friendly kind of thing. They just sent them in. Um, and can highly recommend. They, I think they're 20 milligrams uh, THC, and it definitely got me high. Okay, I was definitely high, not like overblown, but a nice, definitely a nice high. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, can highly recommend them. Uh, yeah, so uh, maybe we can share on like a, I don't know, you can do the magic on Instagram on on like uh, if people are curious about it. But it's, this is not a sponsorship or anything. I'd tell you if it was, um, just a yeah, just kind of a cool product. It's, un- it's unique. They're they're yummy. You could I could totally see people liking these things. So wanted to give them a quick shout out. Um, so yeah, let's let's get to this. Um, introduce our guest here, Sita. Uh, so we have a, a really cool guest who I've been following since even before I came back to Thailand last year. Uh, I've always kind of admired the uh, grows that he does and stuff. It kind of like reminds me of Canis. I like to just scroll through and look at plants and. This guest is definitely one of them. So Yoda can grow. How you doing, man? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Thank you for coming on the podcast. It means a lot. Yeah, thank you for having me, man. Awesome, man. Like, anytime, anytime. So you're a kind of prolific grower in Thailand. I know that a few people know your names. You're, You're kind of quite well known uh, I've had quite a few people recommend oh can you talk to this guy I've met him he's really cool I love his flower so it's, 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 I'll, yeah. I'm glad we could get you on man so I guess I'll start with like the question I always ask is what, what got you into what got you into growing so like for the first time I, I smoked weed is when I was in San Francisco and then I got back to Bangkok and then I cannot find any good weed to smoke. I got only got Thai stick, and it's it's not okay for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, so back then, like six years ago, we got only import stuff. It's like eight hundred per gram, and it's like really, really illegal at that moment. Yeah, yeah, very. So, yeah, so, so I, you decided I to grow yourself. <laughs> Yeah, man. I just I cannot afford to buy one because, like, you know, the minimum wage in Thailand is three hundred fifty. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. And the week is eight hundred a gram. <laughs> yeah, so it's a lot cheaper and easier for you to grow it yourself. Yeah, man. Uh, at the time, I, I think so, man. So, what was it hard before legalization for you, like, as a grower? Ah. Uh, yeah, but I start with a YouTube video from uh, a guy from California. Mm. Uh, I don't know you know him. It's a Kali Green on oh. the YouTube. Yeah, I know who you mean. He does quite good content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like mostly I follow him at first, and I try his method, and it worked with the Thai compost. 
I guess, man, and and like it's work with me to go organic, then do like uh, the fertilizer A and B. It's it's like I I have tried that, but it's like it harder for me to do that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's kind of like one of the main questions I wanted to ask you because I know you're very big into your soils, your compost, and that yeah. style of thing. So could could you tell us a little bit more? Like, how what do you do? Like, what how is your plant organic? Um, what compost do you use and stuff like that? I know you mm. mentioned uh, you work okay. with living soil as well. So yeah, so mostly I use the the durian peels that is like. On the southern southern grower, they use it to make a compost, right? From the durian peel that they throw away. Mm, yeah. So they they got like really nutritious value. Like they send to the lab test, and it's like really good NPK ratio. Yeah. yeah. So mostly, I I start with like the good compost that you can make sure that that is sufficient for your plant. Mm. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so what what's the living soil aspect of stuff? I, I've seen it like used a lot in people when they talk about growing and stuff in the organic side, but I'm not quite fully versed in it. So, could you just yeah. tell us a little bit about what like living soil is? The living soil is like you create an ecosystem in the pot that like contain like microorganism and fungus and everything i have a uh, a worm in there yeah and like they they keep rotating the the the, the npk to the plant right yeah 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 they help they help the plant to absorb the compost like at a maximum point okay and everything like is it's well balanced and that, and then like you don't have to add anything and it keep growing and growing that's interesting so it's kind of using yeah. the natural way of how you would like grow outside but applying that like mini yeah. eco structure inside that's interesting do do you think it yeah. makes a lot better cannabis sorry uh, do you, do you, do you believe like living soil helps with like a lot better cannabis does like could you tell the difference if it's been grown in living soil and non living soil mm uh, I think it's like depends on individual opinion, but I think with the living soil, I got like I got the same the same final final weight as I I was growing in with the cocoa with the AB fertilizer, right? And maybe I got more with the organic, and I think the the volume of the test and the dimension of the test is is more earthy. Mm, yeah, and you got the best out of the phenol, and it's not limiting by the. I think it's not limiting by the fertilizer, and they can express their phenol like really uniquely per plant. Man, interesting. Thank you, because we are, we've got a few listeners that have asked me about living soil and stuff. So yeah. I'm I'm glad we can have someone who's not me who's never really done anything <laughs> with it talk about it. So thank you. Um, so, yeah. Good. So, how how are you doing? Like a big grow operation, or are you more like a small thing? Because I know I've seen some massive places that people have in Thailand. What what are you like working with? Uh, I I I do a small grow like sixty plant, mm. 
Yeah, like still like when I was going underground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, so is it a lot easier now? Stuff's legalized. I take it you find it a lot less stressful worrying about stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot, man. But then you can't even tell your family. You cannot tell your girlfriend because it's it's fucking illegal. Yeah. You gotta go out and and rent a place, and nobody know about that, man. And it's like quite stressful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Like, I have, we have had Canis on before, and he was talking about how yeah. he would have to like change clothes after he's gone to his grow, and he'd he'd drive different <laughs> ways so he wouldn't like go the same path and stuff. And yeah, yeah, it, it sounds like it was a very risky time. So I'm I'm kind of glad that people like you and Canis and stuff can not worry and be stressed <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, we can put. You can we can like be more productive and creative on the growth side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I could take it now that like it's legalized. Are you able to produce a lot more quality cannabis and stuff? So, w- what are you look like looking forward to with cannabis? Like now, stuff's legalized. What's been the most exciting parts for you? Mm, I think the most exciting part is the perception of Thai people towards the cannabis. I think most uh, generation that more than like 40 or 50 years old in Thailand, they still think that weed is bad and it's still necrotic. Mm. And you see some like politicians, they came out and blame everything on the weed and it's on everywhere on the media. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, but the younger generation that they consume like global media or YouTube, you know, they can make a better decision than like I don't know Thai Thai media. Mm, definitely, we, me and Bill were yeah. talking even before this interview about how how media can be in Thailand. There's a lot of bias and a lot of political connotations with stuff. Yes, yes. You, you read one thing about cannabis, and then the the rest of the article is about why you should follow one political party because of this, that, and whatever. <laughs> it's it's it is quite saddening to see, but I I. I kind of I'm I'm hopeful with like you said the youth we are a bit more open-minded and stuff and in Thailand it's going to be very important you know the this generation and the generations to come are going to have a fight on their hands to like keep this going and to educate people around them and even people older than them because like you said a lot of people still have this belief that it's a bad narcotic and stuff but they they've not really done any research they've just been told by a politician or something that it's bad and you know a lot of us know that's not the truth <laughs> sadly so man <laughs> yeah hey uh yoda i got a question for you but um so you know space trees uh in chiang mai right yeah yeah i, I talked to him in uh, on instagram yeah so he had some of your stuff uh not too long ago, I saw on Instagram, maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, right. He got yeah. <laughs> so that's that was the first time. I, I know Sita had probably you know been talking with you before that, but um, I yeah. So I started because uh, I I follow Space Trees because they're you know they're they're in Chiang Mai, and right. um, they yeah they posted a review of your weed, and it was cool too because. Uh, he's a Farang, but he spoke like perfect Thai to do the review. Uh, 
and it was really cool. So, um, how do you how do you typically like interact with dispensaries? Like, do they contact you usually, or do you like contact them if they're gonna sell your your flower? Or how does that work typically with what you do? Uh, mostly, like I I contact people mostly through Instagram. Yeah. So like yeah, we we talk we talk on the DM right and. I send him some sample. I I send like mostly some sample, um, and if 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 they like it, they will like get back to me. Or if not, it's it's a free sample, man. <laughs> yeah. Do you um do you do you notice that like there's some dispensaries um, in Thailand that are like doing better than others in terms of like how they interact with you, like maybe like professionally or like dealing with some are better than others. I'm kind of curious, like. Your perspective mm-hmm. on that so far? Uh, I don't really have experience about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because I mostly sell to my close, like close people and close friends. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, so you, you, like, so you have a pretty close knit like network that you work with usually. Yeah, like a, yeah. I'm like I'm like a small farm. I I don't produce a lot. Right. Gotcha. Like, <laughs> yeah, because we had um. Uh, boss from casta on last week and he right. they're yeah so they maybe a little bit bigger operation so they're uh the way yeah that makes sense okay cool i was just kind of curious like as a small because you're kind of a smaller you know girl you said you have about 60 plants and you know what your experience has been with that so <laughs> see that go ahead okay thank you sorry <laughs> i just listened to you so um Speaking like about growing and stuff, and I know that you work with like a smaller facility and stuff, so I take it like um, you know genetics and pheno hunting is going to be a lot more important for you because you kind of can't do these big batches and stuff. So, do you like work with any specific genetics in general? Like, is there a company or a breeder that you like prefer? Yeah, yeah. For now, I'm I'm also doing the pheno hunting with the regular seed. Hmm. And it's kind of hard to find regular seed in Thailand, and the price of regular seed in the USA is more expensive than the feminine ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, and and the breeder, I think I I used to go with the top dog genetic with the mm. JJ. Yeah, I think that's like pretty stable. I got like good. I think like really good plan from from Top Dog. Yeah, I've seen Top Dog are doing quite a few things in Thailand at the moment. I brought them up quite early in the podcast because yeah. I saw they're doing like some crosses with like Thailand races like Squirrel Tail and such. And I I, mm. I, I like that. That's interesting that they've kind of came over and they're working with Thai genetics as well. Mm. Yeah, right. He got like a lot of mango turbine, which mm. which is like from Thai Thailand list. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've already kind of uh, put bought a few packets ready for when I'm over there to grow myself because they look really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. so with with seeds and stuff, is is it expensive like now to get genetics and seeds? Because I, I, kn- I know before some people were paying a lot, a lot of money for certain strains and stuff. Is mm-hmm. it is it still the same? Yeah, I think maybe higher if like the genetic is like really popular 
like exotic genetic and for many like American breeder. Mm. Yeah. I think the the price is keep going up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, what about what do you think about the price of weed as well? I mean, as there's some people that would say it's very high at the moment. Like, what what's your thoughts on that? As a grower, mm, I think the industry is very young, and the price is not at the equilibrium yet. And I think it's gonna be lower and lower, like thirty percent mm. from now. Like I see, like seven hundred and eight hundred a gram normally in Bangkok. Yeah, yeah. I think it like should be like thirty percent lower in a, a year or two years. Yeah, I, I think the same. I think it, a, a few people don't understand <laughs> that it's a very young and new market, and there's a lot of things that need to be yeah. figured out, like this and financially and stuff. What's what's been like your favorite strain or genetic that you've ran recently that like is currently in dispensaries? Uh I really like the Kush Min one. Mm, yeah. It's like really smooth and like it's really piney and smooth like the original Kush. Yeah, 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 I like those terpenes too. I've been talking a little bit on a few episodes about like the mint terpenes and the high pinene and yeah. stuff. They're, they're some of my favorites at the moment. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I think it's the terpene is really like relaxing. Yeah. It's like the, yeah. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you a grower that goes more for the terpenes and stuff over like yield and stuff? Mm, I'm not looking for yield. Uh, more, uh, firstly, yeah. So mostly, I think pe- people prefer like the terpene, right? They don't care about the shape or the density mm. much as as long as the the joint like got a flavorful and tasty. I think it's okay. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree definitely. <laughs> I think terpenes are the main like. You know, you don't go and eat a food that you don't like the taste of or the smell of. Well, some people do, <laughs> like like Bill, he eats some weird food. But, yeah. So, oh, what was I going to say then? It's you're not go- supposed to bring that up. You, Steve, you're not supposed to bring that up. Stop. Not in, please. Stop not e- when we have a guest. Stop not eating weird food. Guest, okay. Stop eating weird food. <laughs> Get out. Be gone. <laughs> so, um... Uh, as a grower, is, is that what tips would you like give to newer growers at the moment? Because I know now stuff now it's legalized. Mm. A lot of a lot of like younger people or people who've not grown before are getting into it. Is there like any tips that you could give to these people? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think like uh, they maybe they need to be more patient, and you cannot get the perfect grow in like one or two or three season is take like a lot of time and you like the mistake is the best thing that you can have from your grow so you learn from them yeah like i i see a lot of people mourning and beating themselves up with a, a few mistakes they make from the their grow right yeah yeah but actually it's like it's a it's like it's the best thing you can have in your grow to make a mistake so like you cannot you don't make it again yeah it's it's a learning experience and like with anything in life you should be able to learn from your mistakes and yeah I've, I've seen a few people get a bit disheartened because like their first or second grows had a mistake and they're just like well it's but that's that's the kind of 
interesting and beautiful part of cannabis is working with it and working out these little independent things so you don't make mistakes again that's going to be a clip both uh we're gonna to have to clip what uh yoda and you just said <laughs> noted noted <laughs> so, so are you excited with the amount of growers that are like there are now because i know again it's a fresh market and like some places in bangkok you can walk around and there's a dispensary every couple of shops do, do you worry that it's going to get like a bit oversaturated or uh i think the amount of tourists that come to bangkok is a lot and in a tourist like all over asia and all over the world i think they're gonna consume a lot of weed here <laughs> yeah for sure and and customer like they're gonna need a new farewell every you know every batch they need a new thing they don't like like to buy the same stuff mm. so you're gonna make like many many strain as possible if like if like you go the same stand, if I see a lot of celery can in like every dispensary, I think if like it's like that, it gotta be saturated. But mm-hmm. if you be like different and provide a unique product, it's like people still need good weed, man. Yeah, for sure. I I, I know. I think it's gonna create a bit of a healthy competition, so these things do happen, yeah. you know, because people aren't gonna want the same thing, so companies and growers and shops are going to have to like they'll they'll realize like oh even though we've got a load of this strain all the time people want something different so you've got to kind of be the outlier and find out your own niche yeah maybe like the mix like cbd and thc like seven percent and seven percent ratio i haven't seen that a lot in the market and and i and a lot of dispensary told me that that the uh, customer need them like they don't want to get too high but still shielding with the cbd stuff see that's what i like i that's yeah. my favorite blend i had i had some grown in chiang mai it was like a yeah it was a one-to-one so it had like seven percent thc seven percent cbd and that's perfect for me you know um for my because i i i can't do the strong stuff too much anymore dude i just can't <laughs> if i maybe at night like but if i'm during the day it's i can't i just can't i can't do it um so in the in, in, you know in the day that uh 50 50 you know it's it's perfect uh i think there's a huge market for it 100 percent. yeah definitely I, it's something i see a lot of people asking about but not a lot of people actually growing or having so it's kind of an untapped market so even hey yoda if you want to start doing one-to-one or anyone else is listening try it out because it sounds like an interesting market because there's a lot of interest into it you know i've spoken a lot about the medicinal side of cannabis and some people don't want to go the full high and stuff so these are more like cbd related strains one-to-one or just pure cbd and stuff it's still important you know because it'll help uh, even the generations that don't like cannabis kind of more likely to understand it because it's more you know it's not you, if you go over to like a, a Thai auntie and give her a joint you don't want to blow her brain off you know <laughs> so these different things I think are going to be good and healthy for the whole of cannabis so yeah more one-to-one I'd like to see that too with with all like this said like how's how's it been for you business-wise with cannabis like 
are, are you like is this your full time job or do you have also have to do other stuff to sustain and whatnot? Uh, for now it's my full time job, but back then, like five years ago, I like I was working on the accounting field and growing part time oh. as a hobby, and then I slowly transition to make it a full time. That's good. I'm glad that like you're at that level because there are a few people I know that like are like fifty fifty on if they should go into it as a full time thing. So I'm glad that you can and some of us are have as well. So that's interesting. <laughs> What's your favorite munchie or food to eat after you've had a smoke? Like, I think you've just smoked a really good joint and now you want uh, something to eat. What's your like go to? It's uh peanut butter sandwich <laughs> <laughs> classic i love it <laughs> i love it yeah no that's brilliant man it's like what, what is yours f- for me i'm like i'm gonna sound very farang right now but i i love the uh cheese and ham toasties from 7-eleven <laughs> which one uh, see, this has been a debate as well. Is the original ham and cheese or the croissant style <laughs> ham and cheese? Bill is a croissant lover, and I'm the normal one. So, yeah, yeah it's, like it, really it, <laughs> it's it's. I sound like a big farang when I say that. <laughs> <laughs> is there like anything that you think that people in the cannabis community should kind of understand or know from like your perspective as a grower? Mm. I think people should learn how to introduce cannabis to the first time user because I see many times like, I see people get like knocked out from the first time and they got a very bad experience from the first time using mm. weed. I think that like should be like at least one to one CBD THC or vaporize with the small dose first and yeah. Yeah, that's sure. like what what I want like people in the community to introduce for to sh- the new user. For sure, because I think that that's going to help a lot a lot down the line. Again, with keeping it legalized and educating, like not only just like newer smokers, but people in general about you know we don't want to start seeing just people stoned, passed out on the street and stuff, and <laughs> not functioning. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think it's very important. It's also why I'm like a big advocate on seed to sale, you know, people being able to know like exactly what strains they're getting and how it's been grown and stuff. Because, you know, sometimes people also don't know fully what they're smoking. You know, you're an organic grower, but not everyone is, you know, some people go the PGR route or stuff like that. So I think that's also important too. I've got, uh, yeah, it's all good points. I've got a question for you, Yoda. So one thing in thailand because i've seen a lot of weed um over the past year and there's a lot of it in thailand that has bud rot or mold Mm -hmm. um and people are selling it with that like both growers and dispensers (laughs) like I, i get samples from growers and a lot of it has bud rot and i don't think they're trying to sell bad weed it's just they don't know um and do you find that in Thailand it's difficult to like dry and cure your weed or like how are you like have you noticed this with as a problem in Thailand or what what are your thoughts mm. yeah because in Thailand it's really hot and humid right and 
Yeah, I think it's like the main problem. Like the this most recently don't don't keep their weed well. They don't stock it well, and it's gonna degrade over time, and the terpene gonna lost over time. Yeah, and I think yeah, that I think the grower don't know because it's maybe their first or second season, and they don't know what it's like. And yeah, <laughs> you're gonna learn from that, like. Like we say that the industry is really young. Yeah, they're gonna be someone who educate them, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because I I had one grower come and show me weed that they had for sale, and cracked open a a nug, and it was it was all moldy inside, all of it. And, uh, and- he don't know about that. He, I don't know if he didn't know or if it just was an accident or or what. You know, what he wasn't really clear because he, yeah. So, it, but it it's happened more than one time. You know, um, yeah, yeah. And you know, I try I try to understand because, like you said, Thailand has difficult weather for drying and curing. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's, you know, it's, it's harder than say in America, uh, for some, some of this, but still, if you're selling it, uh, you know, you have to watch out for that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, that's really bad. <laughs> What's your process? Like, how do you, how do you approach it? Like, um, in terms of like drying and curing, like, cause you grow, obviously you grow good weed. Like I've heard good things. I saw you at space trees. Um, and everything but like what's your process in terms of drying and curing i think personally think drying and curing is the hardest part of the process i think it's even harder than than growing yeah but i do like uh before i before i shop the plant i do a three-day uh pitch pitch dark room and make the make the root dry and then I cut them, and then I put in the room at the uh, eighteen, eighteen degrees Celsius, and I keep the humidity at sixty percent for like three weeks, and then I keep it like for four five day at fifty five percent. Yeah, and then I trim it and keep it in the in the groove bag. I've heard a lot. Those groove bags are nice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got some. Yeah, I've got some. They're nice. The grow bags are nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I think like people don't don't dry properly because it it take a long time, like three weeks, right? And it costs costs a lot to make like to make the loom like really cool and and the humidity at the sixty percent. Yeah, you're gonna need to run to run the humidifier in the dry room, which I did. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, make it like really long, long, and like slow dry. Yeah, I think as as a lot of people are a bit impatient, and you know they've just hot, they've just grown it, and they want to like sell it as fast as possible. But you know that's mm. kind of one reason why the curing is very important because people want you don't want bud rot, you don't want like wet weed, you know, because the weight people moan about that, and again how it smokes. So the curing process is really important. I mean, one funny thing I saw was someone trying to cure um, their cannabis in an old-style tea hut, you know, for, like, purity and green tea. And I just I couldn't imagine how that would go well because of the humidity and just a wooden shack. 
Yeah, it's gonna rot in there. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that that's that's one way to get bud rot. Don't don't grow it in a shed or a wooden hut. <laughs> no, I was no, I was yeah, I was excited to talk to you because um, number one, I saw um, Space Trees do that review a few weeks ago. Um, so I was like, oh, cool, I know, I know this guy. And then um, uh, yeah, I was curious on the because I've seen good weed grown, like the bud looks good, like and then there's problems with the cure in the dry. So I was really curious on your thoughts there. So I'm going to, yeah, listen to what you had to say, like after we go back and edit it and write down like your process. Cause you know, I try to do my own home grow and stuff, but it's one of the hardest parts. I like drying is like, I'm, I'm a noob. This is going to be like really my first, you know, kind of yeah. real go at it. So, <laughs> so yeah, I appreciate the, the information there. Yeah. Like, um, my recommendation is like you should get the smart sensor from Shopee. Like for now, it's it's really cheap. Like you can get like uh, to make a sensor that to to make the, your your VPD at the perfect level in like two two thousand baht or three thousand baht. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's helpful. That's very helpful. I expect to see a rise of Shopee sales of that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because most of our audience, like right now, is people in the industry, whether they're, they're growers or they have dispensaries or, you know, they're so our listener base, you know, a lot of people are probably going to be appreciate, you know, that information from you. Because I think it. I think the drying and the curing from what I've I've seen people grow good weed, but then the drying and the cure is just bad. Either it's it's bud rot or mold, or it's just they didn't cure it right, or they didn't cure it long enough, and it ruins a good grow. You know, it's just the last step that you got to do, and it's one of the like you said, one of the hardest parts. And that's I think the biggest area I've seen to improve, at least from what I've seen out there right now. Yeah, because uh, when you when you curing it, the the chemistry in the bud like is totally changed in like. It's like, I think in in four weeks, it's like it's gonna be like this different bag. Like you cannot remember the terpene before and after the curing for some for some strain. Man, it's, it's like right. yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, like again, thank you for the knowledge because I've I've already been sat writing a few notes for myself. <laughs> ready and it, I always enjoyed like talking to growers and finding out like how they grow and you know the different little bits of techniques people do you know everyone has their own little flair to how they grow and I think mm. you know it's interesting to see like you using living soil and organic stuff and I think living soil especially is going to get a lot more popular in Thailand yeah I think living soil but we're going to do it outdoor because I think Thai sun is like the best. Mm. I think the future is gonna be outdoor living soil somewhere. <laughs> mm, so do do you prefer outdoor? Because there's always kind of the debates. A lot of people, especially like in America, they want indoor grown stuff. So what what is your take on outdoor grown? I think is if you do the if you do the pheno hunting and you get a good pheno that that got the immunity for Thai pests and PM and many things. I think it's gonna be very low cost to grow in Thailand. Like cost like the same as you go corn mm. or tomato. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it, but the quality, I think, like the outdoor that we grow 
that I try the outdoor, but they got a, like very good terpenes, mm. and yeah, it's really impressed like that the outdoor quality that we have now. But I think it, it could be better, so we like can can sell at a higher price for outdoor. Yeah, yeah. So, so have you have you done outdoor before? Uh, not yet because I have to come to the cold room, and if I got best in the outdoor, and it's gonna be in fact both of my goal. <laughs> yeah, but that's what that's what I was gonna ask because a few of our like a lot of our listeners who've came from different countries like Canada, Germany, mm-hmm. Amsterdam, America, you know, they don't have to deal with the same pests that Thailand has, and Thailand's kind of notorious for their insects and parasites and everything when it comes to growing anything yeah we got a lot of spider mite here <laughs> yeah a lot a lot the world run do you do and any? the aphids oh aphids too yeah yeah oh yeah. that ruined mine <laughs> <laughs> that's why i was just why i was gonna ask us because do you have any tips for get, like negating or getting rid of pests is there anything even you do indoors mm. to make sure uh yeah, I used the I used the sick trap, the yellow one. Mm. It's like it's like the glue that keep the yeah it, it trap the the insect, and I keep the top top soil dry because like some insect they lay their egg on the top soil, and it's like between the watering. You, you need to keep it dry for a few period to disrupt the cycle of the insect. Mm, okay, that makes sense. That make, yeah, so mm. people listening out there, go get some of the yellow sticky tape stuff and make sure your topsoil <laughs> isn't soggy. Because I, I deal with the same thing just with normal gardening, with houseplants, like with uh, soil aphids and stuff. They are such a nuisance. I will come down one just overnight and I'll have a yellow sticky trap full of terrible tiny bugs and this is in England so Thailand's probably going to be way worse when I'm there <laughs> no for real man but thank you for coming on the show and like sharing your wisdom and your background and stuff It, I know it's going to help a lot of our listeners out because a lot of them again you know they've not been born and raised in Thailand we have a lot of expat listeners and knowledge from someone who's actually worked and grown and lived here it helps a lot, so thank you for that. Yeah, welcome, man. Thanks for having me. I hope to see you guys soon. For sure, man. When I'm yeah, back anytime. over. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Sita. Yeah. I was going to say, as soon as I'm back over, I'm going to have to like organize something in Bangkok for a lot of our Bangkok listeners and uh, guests to all meet up because all of you have been amazing people, so I'm excited to come and see you all. Yeah, and anytime you're in Chiang Mai, um, let, let, let us know. Um, yeah, it would be cool to cool to see you, man. Um, and uh, yeah, no, for sure. But, and you can come on anytime. Like if you've got, got anything going on, we're always happy to have you. Yeah. Okay. Sure, bro. No, thank you. And uh, what is there? Are you just on Instagram, or is there any other way like people can contact you or look at your stuff that you don't mind sharing? Uh, yeah. For now, on only on Instagram. Okay, sweet, sweet. So I'll I'll be sharing a few of your pictures on Instagram so people know. And yeah, everyone go check out Yoda and everything he's doing because 
it's interesting and cool you know i like different perspective of growers and i know other people do too so for sure and yeah thank you again man okay you're welcome man right awesome so thank you everyone for listening and yeah i hope people have uh, gained some wisdom today and this is a bye-bye from me all right bye-bye